God uses dads and moms to be sure, but he uses dads to advance his purposes in this world. When Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, he was speaking to his heavenly father. Now you and I know that God is our heavenly father. At least we know that intellectually or we're at least familiar with the concept. That doesn't necessarily mean that we all know him, but we know about him. We know about the fact that God is our perfect heavenly father. And it's because of the fact that God is our perfectly heavenly father that the stakes of fatherhood are so sky high. When you understand that God wants to use men as fathers in the lives of their children and in their families to advance his purposes in this world, then you start to understand that this really is a high stakes adventure, that it's obviously no longer about us, but not only is it not just about us, it's ultimately not even about the kids that we parent. It's ultimately about God. It's about his purposes in our kids' lives through us as they go out to be who God created them to be and to change this world for his glory and their good. And when you start to think about that, you understand that fatherhood has a massive, massive weight attached to it. I think most of us who who are dads understand this at least a little bit. Let me just ask you a question. How many of you are dads in the house? Let me see a show of hands of the fathers. Okay, guys, let's, let's just, this is family talk right here. This stays confidential in this room. How many of us, when you found out you were going to be a father or when you brought that little bundle of joy home from the hospital, how many of you at least had a minor panic attack? Let me just see a show of hands. Okay, listen. I appreciate your honesty. And for every dad who didn't raise your hand, we have a group called Liars Anonymous. And we're going to offer you support, okay? If you're not a little bit scared as a father, you're not paying attention. You, you don't understand the job description. I remember when Emily was the first one home, Joseph followed two years later. And I remember having this thought. This is not just like a little funny thrown into the sermon. I vividly remember going... I got a user's manual when I bought a lawnmower. They just handed me a human being, and I got nothing from the hospital, if you will. But the good news, literally the good news of Jesus Christ, is that the gospel makes everything better. We believe around here as a church family that all roads lead to the cross. What we mean by that is that The the good news of Jesus Christ makes every part of life that it touches better, healthier, stronger, more powerful, more beautiful, more amazing to experience. It doesn't mean that it makes it easier, but it makes everything better. And just as all roads lead to the cross, the cross illuminates all roads. Jesus Christ sheds light into every single part of life. And so while it's true we don't get a manual when you find out that we're going to be a dad or a father, the gospel of Jesus Christ speaks directly to the issue of fathering. And this is critical for all of us. 
Obviously, on Father's Day, the message is tailored for the dads in the house, but make no mistake about it. This message is for every single one of us. Because we all understand that we human dads are far from perfect. We, we fail on the reg, as the kids like to say. We, we mess up on a regular basis. We falter. We, we stumble and falter. But the fact of the matter is, some dads falter and stumble spectacularly. Some dads have created such wounds and such scars that their kids' perspectives have been skewed. And that might be you this morning. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you walked in carrying this morning. But I want to encourage you, if you have a skewed view of fatherhood or maybe of men in general, understand that no matter your experiences with human men and fathers in this life, there is a heavenly father who loves you perfectly. There is a father in heaven who knows every wound, who grieves every grief with you, and who loves you perfectly as is. And he is the one to follow. His is the example that we look to as we try to understand fatherhood. Because when we follow our our human fathers too far, a lot of times what happens is we can allow our perspective of our earthly fathers to skew our perspective of our heavenly father. And there are a lot of people in this world who think that God is some kind of an ogre or that he doesn't care or even worse, that he is malicious because of experiences they had with an earthly father. And the good news of Jesus is that nothing could be further from the truth. Our God is a good God. He is a good, good father. And so we celebrate him, we worship him, and we look past our human fathers, hopefully, to our heavenly fathers to see who it is that loves us perfectly, loves us so much that he created us and designed us by name. He created you on purpose. I think a lot of times we don't stop to think about that, but I want you to just for a second here in the friendly confines of a church service on Sunday morning, Father's Day, think about the fact that there is literally only one you. Think about that for a second. That you came into this world because God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, decided the world needed you. Everybody just go, whoa. whoa. Just, just, whoa. I mean, that, that's, kind of a, that's, a, that's kind of a heavy existential thought. And we're we're going to get past it, but I don't want to skate over it too quickly. Your heavenly Father meant for you to be born. And if you are an earthly father, he means for you to be a dad. He means for you to step up. Now, as I said just a second ago, if if we don't get a manual per se, what do we do? Where where do we go? You know, I'm not I'm not a big yard and lawn guy. How many of y'all like to work in the yard? Let me just see a show. That's cool if you do. We'll have a support group for you as well. But <laughs> I, that's not my bag. I, when I was a kid, I mowed lawns as a summer job in Houston. I, I've mowed more than my share of grass, okay? But I vividly remember when my kids were of age where they could begin to mow the lawn. One of the most joyful moments of my life was when I bought a lawnmower 
to teach Emily and Joseph how to mow the lawn. I had been paying someone up till that time. Then I rediscovered they were old enough. And I'll never forget when, when they got to be that age where they could, you know, they could mow the lawn safely. I remember saying to them, listen, this is your job. Now that you're old enough, you are four years old and it is time for you. But you know, even though I don't like to mow the grass, I love the look and the feel of a fresh cut lawn, don't you? Straight lines, just trim, no whiskers. The sidewalk and the driveway is edged neatly and swept cleanly. I love it. Wouldn't it be great if fatherhood could be like that? But you know what I've discovered after 22, almost 23 years of fathering? There are no straight lines in fatherhood. As a matter of fact, you're never done being a dad. And I think that may be the point. I think it may be the point that we always get to be a dad. We always get to to do this job that we're called to, that we're commissioned to by God. You see, moms and dads are different, just like men and women are different. Equally, equal in value, but different in deployment. We're different. And so so moms and dads have different roles to play in, in the family and in the lives of our kids. I heard it said one time that moms are the ones who tell you, I believe in you, honey, while dads are the ones who say, prove it to me. And I think there's a lot of value in that for a father to say, I love you. And I'm going to make sure that you're ready to live the life God's created you to live. The gospel speaks to this in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. If you've got a Bible, look at Ephesians chapter 6. And in Ephesians chapter 6, the apostle Paul is, of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, is kind of wrapping up this letter to the church at Ephesus. And and he's, he's explaining how the gospel plays out. How do we live it out in our lives, particularly in our relationships? And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, he has a specific word for dads. I think it is a word that obviously transcends and includes moms as well, but he addresses it to fathers. In Ephesians 6, 4, look at what the Bible says. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Just as an aside, this is one of my kids' favorite verses in the whole Bible. They they quote this on a regular basis. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. One verse, one verse of God's word. But in that one verse, there there are four things that that I think we can walk away from on this Father's Day that that will help us because as men, we like like lists, we like instructions, you know, like tell me what to do. I've shared this with y'all before. My wife, Julie, is the smartest person I know. Now, she kisses great and all that other good stuff, but she is intellectually, I'm just telling you, scary bright. She has, like, brain cells on top of brain cells. And and it's great, and it's awesome, and as a husband can be a little annoying at times. 
I'm just telling you, to live with somebody that you know is smarter than you are, it can be kind of demoralizing. It's kind of, you just kind of like giving it like, okay, I get it. But Julie processes out loud. She processes through challenges or problems or situations. She likes to talk it out. And what I've learned over time is when she's talking it out, she's not asking me to fix it. Men, how many of you have discovered that your wife doesn't always or ever want us to fix it? Let me just see a show of hands. And guys, let me just give you a little, little, little hint on this Father's Day. If she asks you for a solution, don't answer. It's a trap. But I think for dads, just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do to do. And fortunately, God does. God does tell us. Now, I don't want you, I don't want to mislead you by telling you it's going to be easy. But the first thing that he says here is, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Some, some translations say, do not exasperate your children. Exasperated kids are not the goal of fatherhood. Do not provoke your children to anger. I'll tell you what I think, I think this means, number one, and I'd encourage you to write these four things down. Number one, as a dad, like them. When it comes to your kids, like them. Now some of you are thinking, but shouldn't we love them? Duh. Of course we should love them. I remember when Emily was born and then Joseph two years later, I, I, it opened up a vein of love in me that I didn't even know existed. I, didn't, I, I couldn't even put my, get my head around it. And, and then I started to, to think, maybe, maybe this is just a, a sliver of how God loves us. Of course we love them. But it's imperative that our kids know we like them. That everything we do is for them. Because we are for them. We are for them. You see, it's imperative as we, as we parent that we communicate always, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm telling you not to do that or to do this. It's because this will work better in your life, and I want your life to be everything God wants it to be. This isn't even about how it reflects on your mom and me. This is just about you and the Lord. I want you to know that I'm for you. I'm crazy about you. And I think as we begin to parent out of this posture, we communicate identity-based parenting instead of behavior-based parenting. Behavior-based parenting is, don't do that. Do this. But identity-based parenting says, you know what? When you, when you snapped at, at me and, and you were disrespectful, and I won't, first of all, I want to remind you that I let you live through that, but I want you to understand... <laughs> I don't think that's who you are. I don't think that's reflective of, of, of who God created you to be. And so here's what I want you to do the next time. Because that's, that will work better for you. The verse right before this says, Children, honor your father and mother that your life may be long in the earth the Lord has given you. This is the first command with a promise. So when we, when we discipline our kids, when we, when we teach them, we're, we're doing this for them. 
We communicate that we like them. Dads, don't provoke your children to anger and to wrath. Don't, don't exasperate them. And if you're here today and you are exasperated with your dad, forgiveness is the greatest gift you will ever give yourself. Doesn't mean that the wound isn't real. It doesn't mean that the dad deficit doesn't hurt. But it means that you let go of that bitterness and that resentment. Or or even the anger. And the anger may be appropriate. It may be well-placed. But you let go of it. And you move past it because you understand that your heavenly father, not only does he like you, love you, he likes you. So dads, we've got to communicate that we like our kids. It was a joke in our household. I genuinely did not care if Emily or Joseph liked me. I, I wanted them to. And it became a joke like, princess, all I ever wanted was for you to like me and be happy. If that's our goal as a father, we are setting our kids up for absolute failure in life but they've got to know that we like them like them number two don't provoke them to anger but bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the lord number two train them train them that word discipline is not just a reactive correction it is a proactive training we're always looking for opportunities to train them and to discipline them in the way that they ought to go train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it if we will train them show them this is what the bible says and here's why the bible says it here's why this will work better for you We're training always. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, These commands that I give you today are to be upon your heart. Teach them to your children as you walk along the road, as you lie down at night, as you sit at the table. Wherever you are, you're always looking for those teachable moments as a dad. We're training them. We're training them. So, So discipline, when it happens, when we do have to course correct, When we do have to react to maybe a poor choice that was made, it's always in the interest of where should they be going and not just where they should not be going. You see, one of the things we get into trouble with as parents is when we parent out of fear. They're going to middle school. They're going to middle school. I've heard middle school's terrible and then there's high school. (laughs) It's high school. It's terrible. Who wants to live like that? I will tell you. When one of our children was very, very young as a toddler, Julie's mother said, I will not be coming to visit you during the teenage years. <laughs> and I remember saying, I said, Kathy, Emily's going to be just fine. <laughs> and, and to be fair, Joseph had his moments as well. And to be even more fair, Mac had his moments <laughs> But we had more fun in middle school and in high school with Emily and Joseph than we ever could have dreamed. Because during those early years, even when we got tired, and we got tired. How many of you know about getting tired as a parent? You get tired. Sometimes as a dad, you act like you didn't see something. 
Like, I, I don't even, I just can't do it right now. I just don't even have it in me. The laugh of recognition right there. Every one of you just indicted yourself. And I appreciate you joining in with me. But we train them. But, but th- th- that verse goes on there and it says, it says, train them in the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. That means, dads, that we teach our kids what the Bible says. One of my favorite things about Lake Hills Church is that there are more men involved in Bible study than there are women. Now, that's not an indictment of the women. It's not. I think it's a celebration of the men who have owned the responsibility that God has given us to be the biblical, spiritual teachers of our children. We don't leave it to the church exclusively. Well, we uh, No, we start at home. But the only way we can teach our children is if we know it, if we are ingesting Scripture, if we're learning what God says, if we're learning these traditions of Orthodox Christianity so that our kids can experience the full life Jesus died and rose again to give them. And I'm not even going to start on the parents that say, well, I'm going to let my children decide their own way. Your kids will decide their own way. But they're going to decide based on something that somebody teaches them. And if you want to abdicate that responsibility, that's on you. But you and I as parents have been assigned by God to teach our children what the Bible says, which means we got to know it, dads. We've got to own it. We've got to step into it. But it says to teach them in the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. So yeah, we definitely need to like them. We need to train them. We need to teach them. But that what we're, what we're training and teaching them comes from the Lord, which means we've got to show them the way. We, we've got to show them the way. I, I can't promise you very much at all about parenting. Parenting in the original Greek means variable. It's just, it's just nothing but variables. Even if you figure out that first child, you'll have a second one that's a polar opposite. It's like, we've got to start all over with this one. But what our children take out of our homes, what our children take away from us as dads, will be exponentially more caught than taught. What they see, what we show them, will reveal what we really believe. It will reveal who we really trust. We have to show them the way. And the good news is that we've got a lot of help. We've got help from the church, from a church that partners with parents to raise a generation of leaders and not followers. But we've got help from the bridegroom of the church. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. He is the way. So show them the way. Show them Jesus in everything that you do, in everything that we say. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a brief moment. I know that we're talking about fathers. We're talking about dads. But never forget, all roads lead to the cross. All roads lead to the cross. And so this morning, I want to just ask you, I want to just kind of confront you with a reality check. Have you stepped into a relationship with your perfectly heavenly Father? Have you responded to His perfect paternal initiative? If you're here today and you never have, what a perfect moment. A perfect moment to acknowledge your perfect Father. If you'd like to begin a relationship, then we invite you just to pray right where you are. To begin a relationship with God through Jesus. He's the way. He's the life. If that's you, just pray right where you are silently. Just talking to God. Just say, just silently, just say, God, I need you. I want you to be my heavenly father. I confess my sin to you. I claim your forgiveness. And I will follow you from this moment forward with everything that I've got. Lord, I pray this prayer in your name. I want to ask you just to remain still and quiet with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, because this is sacred ground that we're on right now. But if that was your prayer and you meant it, with everything that you've got, I want you to understand this is the greatest moment of your life. And it's a moment that I want to ask you to to mark, to stamp. First of all, to know that you're surrounded by people who want to help. We are a family family of faith and to be sure not a perfect family but a family and if you would just fill out that connect card that Deanne mentioned earlier in our service and indicate there I've committed my life to Christ this week before you leave today hand that to one of our ushers just just hand it to them and make a personal connection so that we can begin 
a dialogue that will proceed at your pace. We just want to help in any way that we can. And then second of all, if that was your prayer, as our heads are bowed, would you mind just, just raise your hand? Just raise your hand and hold it up high over your head. As you do, you stamp this moment in your life and in the life of this church. There is nothing more important to us than this moment in your life and others like it. It's why we exist. And so as a church, as a family, we honor that. We celebrate that. As you put your hands down, we put our hands together just to tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.